Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. So Iowa Summer Writing Festival attendees, I can tell, I have a sense that you are settling in, first of all, because you are not listening to me. Second of, <laughs> second of all, I can tell you're not listening to me. Second of all, I can tell that you're, I sense that you're settling in because many of you were almost late. Like you're just kind of like easing in, talking to your friends, and I think that that's, I, I think that's a good thing. All right, we are here. Let us go. Um, thank you also to those of you who are here from Iowa City to join us for our 11th hour lecture series. We're always happy to see you. Uh, festival at attendees, a reminder that we have our all festival dinner tonight on the second floor of Hotel Vetro in the same room in which we began on Sunday night, which I'm guessing feels like a very long time ago to you now. Um, doors open at 6 p.m. and food is served at 6.15 p.m. Also, and see, look, they're still coming. I love this. Okay. Also, tomorrow, or maybe it's like for a lecture entitled Writing Under the Influence, people just are like, meh, I'll just show up. <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, let's see. Also, tomorrow's 11th hour is our weekly all-faculty reading. It's wonderful. Um, please do come. Also, if any of you were at your um, open mic reading last night, that sounded like it was going to be really lovely. I, I was there at the very beginning, and I hope that you enjoyed yourselves. For now, we are so very grateful that Gordon Menenga has joined us today. Gordon is a longtime and fantastic festival instructor. His fiction has appeared in the North American Review, among other esteemed publications, and his work has been honored with a Nelson Algren Award. He has written for A Prairie Home Companion and NPR's Good Evening, and he has been a professor of creative writing, literature, and film studies at three universities. I'm very glad and slightly amused that we are all here today to hear Gordon help us with writing under the influence. Thank you, Gordon. How about now? Yes. Ah. Wait, are you green? Yes, green. Okay. <laughs> green means go, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Um, I'm going to talk today um, about um, two things, really, about writing under the influence of one kind that we all know about, um, and the other kind is a little more esoteric, and that is writing under the influence of things we don't admit to or the things that are buried in our consciousness somehow, um, and they come up at the, the wildest times. And uh, maybe one influences the other. Maybe people drink because the other one um, causes this to happen. Um, but I, I want to start with saying that all artists, I think, are under this umbrella of writing or, or painting or whatever you do under the influence of something. There's got to be a reason why you do it, and I'm going to talk about that today. Um, one, does an artist need to recognize their influences? Well, um, it's debatable, and at the end of my talk, you can ask questions about that or give your opinion. Um, I think there's various opinions about doing that. Why are you doing what you're doing? And once you say, ah, this is the reason, um, maybe that helps you and maybe it doesn't. Um, uh, what influences you the most? Well, most of us say family, um, things that are very close by. 
um, maybe religion, family, all of these things uh, are in our head all the time. We sit down to write a letter or an email, somehow they're buried in there someplace. Um, uh, what do you, uh, another way to look at this is when you're successful and you've published your fifth novel, your fourth book of poetry, your three memoirs, uh, who are you going to thank? If you think of influences that way, um, who, at the end of every book, there's acknowledgments. Who are you going to list in your acknowledgments? Well, what's the most common? My husband, my kids, my editor, my teachers, and God. Um, maybe not God so much. Writers tend not to. Anyway, um, I see influence and inspiration as twins. Um, they're not the same thing. I think uh, inspiration might be more spiritual in a way. Um, but everything uh, I talk about today will, will sort of be uh, bridging those two things. Every writer I know, every artist I know, I talked to my um, uh, Potter friend the other day, and I said, what influences you? And he went on for like a half an hour, and I said, okay, that's enough. Um, so I think everybody I know in the arts could say that they're influenced by something. I'm going to go by, make a list here um, pretty soon of what some of uh, what people commonly say um, when this happens. Okay, what about the image of the artist in the world? We'll start there. Um, ah, some of you are wearing black. Good. Uh, that seems. <laughs> you laugh, but if you go to a reading in the Iowa Writers Workshop, half of the people are wearing black. And they're the students in the workshop. And when I was in the workshop, I didn't wear black, but it wasn't a thing in those days. Um, anyway, uh, what's the image of the artist in your mind? When you see someone say, I can see you're an artist, besides the fact they have paint all over their hands. Um, well, here are some things about images. First of all, they do wear black. In Iowa City, I'm, so go to the store, buy something black, walk about, and people say, oh, what are you writing these days? You'll say, quite a bit. And I'll say, how do you know? <laughs> I've really dressed in black, including the shoes. Uh, sometimes the females in Iowa City tend to wear cowboy boots. And you probably notice that Ragstock has a good supply because that really does help you write. Um, if you're a female, I'd kick ass. I don't know what it is, but it seems to be really important these days. Uh, writers wear uh, funny hats. Um, I, I, a lot of artists do. I've seen pink, purple, blue, orange, feathers. Uh, Got to have a hat. Uh, a lot of uh, um, women, I would say, or the men, uh, carry big purses. I, this is a sign you have your computer with you. You're working on your novel. Uh, you have notes in there, uh, probably water, in case uh, you really hit a, a hot spot in your novel. Uh, and that's why you have a, high, a big purse. Also, by the way, I should mention that many of you are drug addicts, drinkers, vegetarians, criers, lechers, liars, loud and lewd, quiet and reclusive. You're selfish and intense, pessimistic and manic. You're intelligent and a bad driver. Uh, you own a house in France. You suffer back from back pain. Uh, you obsess about how much water you should drink each day. A bottle of wine and two lemons and a New York Times. A bottle of wine, two lemons, and a New York Times. A writer I know had that in his, um, in his grocery cart at Hy-Vee here, the grocery store, at 6.30 in the morning. 
And I saw him, and I said, how are things going? <laughs> he said, well, pretty good. You know, I haven't slept yet, and I'm getting ready to, to get on with my novel. A line from John Berryman. You probably heard about John Berryman, the poet, and his life was very interesting. Here's what he said. Uh, this is from his journal. Quart of whiskey a day for months in Dublin, working hard on a long poem. So if you're working on a long, a quart isn't bad a day, come on. Uh, it'll help you with rhymes, it'll help you with metaphor, and it'll probably help you jump off a bridge. Um, writers are influenced by other writers, that's for sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to give some evidence, I think, of that. As writers, we imitate, we copy, we shadow, we mimic, we steal. Why not? It's free. Um, we, you know, we're not alone here. We didn't invent this thing called writing poetry or memoirs or fiction. It's been there for a long time. Why not steal from the best? Um, and that's you know, my advice to almost everybody. Um, writers often need mentors uh, to bless their aspirations, to help them along the way. Um, sometimes that is an amazing influence. Um, I have a lot of stories from the Summer Writing Festival um, of people I influenced, not intentionally. Um, several years ago, someone had a short story in my short story class. We read it the first day. Um, and after we discussed it, people, he came up to me and he said, I can read on your face that you didn't like my story. Okay, from now on, I'm going to put a bag in front of my head so you can't see how I'm reacting. I said, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think that's your voice. I, it doesn't work. The next day, he brought back a story, and he said, well, what do you think of this? Fantastic. I made a deal with him that if he finished a novel in four months, I would find him an agent. Unfortunately, on January 5th, he called me and said, I've finished so then I had to find him an agent, and then the book was published and became an American Library Association uh, book a few years ago. So it can happen. You know, I just, you never know where it's going to come from. Um, I don't charge. I didn't charge him any money. He bought me coffee twice. Um, what about my own influences? Well, uh, John Updike, um, I learned a lot from him. I learned uh, the power of detail, for instance. Um, and from Flannery O'Connor, I probably learned a lot about plot and character. From Donald Barthelme, I learned um, irreverence and wit. Um, for um, Edgar Rice Burroughs, who I read when I was probably in fourth grade, I learned plot. Um, to show how old I am, I learned a lot about uh, tension by listening to Bobby Benson and the B Bar B Riders, which is the radio show in the 50s. I'd never miss it Saturday morning. It was fantastic. My grandmother gave me a little coffee, fourth grade, and um, so I could make it through. It was fantastic. Um, I learned tension from Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I also learned from him a lot about the comic and tragedy in the same moment. I wanted to know about that. My favorite poets, Donald Justice and Richard Hugo, taught me to listen to my own words. Um, and by the way, I do read a poem a day still. Um, I think it's really important if you write, why not listen to words? Um, but the key is to read. Um, when, you will pub when you publish, you will feel the influence of your literary agent. Are you ready for that? 
I liked your book, but the last hundred pages suck. Oh, great. Thanks for uh, the advice from my literary agent. Um, what am I supposed to do? It's only a 190-page book. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to, <laughs> gonna have to do something. Um, so you fix it. And then the next thing that happens is your editor at the publishing house gets a hold of it, and they are going to influence you, believe me. Uh, they are going to take it apart and put it back together. They want the book they can sell. And you hear people talk about this all the time. Uh, a couple of years ago, I edited a wonderful book, um, 290 pages. It was full of BS in the last third, so I took 70 out. And it was sent off to the publisher. And the author called me and said, you're not going to believe this. The, edit, the, the editor at the publishing house, Simon & Schuster, want me to put back in the 71 you, you took out. I said, yeah, free world, go ahead, do it. So uh, he put them back in. The review came out in the New York Times. And it said, the middle part is tedious. I told him it was tedious. I told... Anyway, uh, so um, why write? Well, for your family, I mentioned that. For the world, don't you want to be a big deal in the world? Walk downtown, people go up to you and say, oh, I loved your book. It was, it was just great. And just, you go home and you can sleep at night. Nothing's threatening you. It's wonderful. Um, your relatives treat you better than they've ever treated you before, sort of, because they figure you're going to squeal on them and they probably really hate you um, under the skin. Um, how about um, uh, you want to shine uh, a light in the darkness? You think the world is full of pain and suffering and people not knowing their direction. You think you can write something that's going to show them the way. That, that goes for a lot of people, including myself. Um, I think I want to wake people up. Um, also, I think one, uh, one thing that most people discount is um, the idea of... Um, to practice the one thing you're good at. Now, you may be a terrible cook, a terrible driver, terrible all kinds of other things, but if you're a good writer, why don't, you, why don't you do it all the time? It's what you're good at. And I think that's a powerful influence, is to think, I have this talent, and I'm not going to sit on it, and I wanted to use it every day. That's a pretty powerful influence. Now, if you deny that influence, uh, I think you should see a psychiatrist, frankly, um, because you're going to need one, because all of your life will be like this. I'm hiding the thing I want to do. I'm hiding the thing I want to do. That's destructive. Um, so just tell yourself, I'm going to do the thing I'm good at, um, and buy TV dinners if you have to. Um, Margaret Atwood uh, made a list um, in this book, which is one of the best books on influences. It's called... Um, Negotiating with the Dead, and the whole book is about influence. Um, yeah, it's a wonder, wonderful book. Um, it's probably about 15 years old now, but here, she, part of her list is this. Um, she said um, that the reason a lot of people write is to record the world as it is. So you look around you and say, I need to make a document of the world I'm living in. I want to I tell you what it's like to be um, in love with a roadie who's following around whoever it is. Um, and there it is. That's a good reason to write that. Um, uh, also, uh, anybody here feel that revenge is a good thing? 
Good, because a lot of people write for that. You write to satisfy some desire for revenge. Man, I've been getting back at my junior high teachers for years. Uh, <clears throat> I, and I, I do it every day. I think, how am I going to put Miss Harmon in there and really get her today? Um, and uh, to write is to take risks, but it is also one of the ways we know we're alive. I can sit in a chair all day and think, yeah, I must be alive. Uh, but if I write, I know I'm alive. I know I'm in touch with my brain, my emotions. It's really a good thing, and coffee helps. Um, to hold a mirror up to the reader. Maybe I want to tell you something about yourself that I think you should know. So I'm going to try to write something that's going to hold that up to you in terms of culture or whatever. You're going to say, oh, my God, that's me. I'm going to change. Uh, how about to make money for my children, to make money so my children can have shoes? This is the old idea of making money uh, by writing. And a lot of, a lot of uh, I read poets, not poets, Writer's Digest. I don't know if you know that publication. But they've been, since 1955, they've been selling the idea that if you write, you will become wealthy. Um, and this is sort of true for a few people. Um, I, a student at the Summer Writing Festival, this should make you feel good, a number of years ago, about 15 now, I think, um, <clears throat> did not take my class. He took somebody else's, and they didn't like his piece. So he said, I heard maybe you would read it for me and see. I did. I liked it. His novel sold for a million dollars a year later to Hollywood. Now, he started here. What influenced him was you. The other people in his class gave him suggestions. He found a way of seeing himself as a writer. Uh, <clears throat> he wrote the book. And uh, then he got himself in big trouble because he signed a three-book deal. And then he called me and said, oh, my God, I have a three-book deal. I just read the contract. I have to have the next one done in two years. I said, you better get busy. Uh, you know, or they're going to cancel on you. And now he just published his fifth book. Um, also, I think a, a good reason to write an influence for me is uh, to sneer at those people who sneered at me. I'm writing a story right now that that's what it's about. Um, <clears throat> I grew up uh, in Iowa. Um, my mother occasionally cleaned people's houses um, to support my family. And um, once, um, years, well, maybe two or three years later, five years, I was I probably started hating her when I was 10. So about the time I was 17, I was working in a grocery store in my hometown. And one day this woman, uh, who my mother had worked for, came up to me and said, oh, you're the son of the woman who cleans my house. And I thought, OK, I'm going to get even with that comment. You will never be able to say that to me again, because I think it's demeaning. So I'm going to get even. So now I'm writing about a story. A story now that really gets even. It's wonderful. It's called Dirty Candy, and uh, it's really good. Um, any of you eat dirty candy? You drop it down the ground. And it's, some of us kids did. And, you, know, you look at it and think, yeah, it's sand. It's okay. Um, uh, be, some of us write because of another simple reason. To make things is human. It, that's a good reason. Um, I sit around all day, might as well make something. And making literature is not a bad thing to make. 
um, if long as you have some skills. Um, writing is better than having another kind of job if you can, you know, work it out. Um, that's the way I always thought. Uh, to justify my failures in school, I do that. Um, and uh, Margaret Atwood also said to amuse and please the reader. That's good. Um, another, a lot of people say because I was possessed. Um, I don't know if I believe in that. I was the muse, I guess. But I was sitting there one night, and suddenly my body was infused with this other voice. And that's called possession. Um, I think Catholics have a way of taking care of that. Um, I'll see some other reasons here. To speak for the dead. I guess some people do that to you know, record what's happened in the past. Your uh, memoirists often want to do that. They want to write a memoir to speak for things that have happened up to this point, to a point in time when uh, it's probably important um, for them. Um, to expose the appalling wrongs and atrocities in the world. There's a lot of novels that are corrective, a lot of memoirs that are corrective, a lot of poems that are corrective. Um, my favorite, I think, is to pass the time while incarcerated. Um, uh, if, if any of you ever do get sent to prison, you will want to write. Um, I can guarantee it. I used to uh, be the faculty advisor on the co-review, and I would guess we would get maybe 50 uh, submissions with uh, the return address being in prison. And these guys write um, like crazy, mostly about Christmas, um, holidays, and the nice things in life. That's the first submission. The second one is how to dismember your girlfriend. Happen, happens all the time. So we would make a list of these guys who were doing that. Try to suck you in with a nice little Christmas, 1958. And then pretty soon it would be, uh, I locked her in a room and got a handsaw. And you know, think, oh, he's been waiting to write this for a long time. Um, also, I think some buried in this is probably... Um, you know, I went to um, it was a Memorial Day to my um, hometown's uh, cemetery where everybody puts, like, flowers all over the place and all kinds of other things. And I thought, um, okay, um, that's you know, like a thousand bucks or better for one of those. I think I would rather write a story that's archived um, in a North American Review or someplace. That's going to last a lot longer. I, and every, people look up my name, they're going to be taken right to the story I wrote. So I think a lot of people do write to say, here I am, here I was, here's my name, I'm in libraries, I'm in archives. Um, that's not a bad thing. Um, when your grandchildren and their grandchildren and their children start to look you up, you will be there. They won't have to drive to a cemetery to find your name scrawled in um, uh, some weird script. Um, okay. Finally, uh, we want to explore the nature of suffering. All of us are suffering. The whole world is suffering. And to write is to examine that, kind of, that suffering. It's really helpful. Um, you feel terrible about the world and something, that, writing is a way of figuring out the details of how you feel. Um, so writing, I mean, what else is there? I think every writer I know will say that they're examining suffering and they're actually experts in suffering because they think about it all the time. Um, okay, what about when you're really writing <clears throat> and the influences are really taking um, uh, hold of you? 
Well, there can be problems for that. Um, there's an intense interaction between thought and emotions. And most of the time during the day, we never recognize that. Uh, we're just kind of, you know, having our lunch and so on. We're not thinking deep thoughts. But when you're writing, you are. You're deep into both ways. You're both into your emotional life and your intellectual life. You are digging for stuff to put on the paper. Um, and I think the result of that for a lot of people is um, intense moments of enthusiasm. I know writers who say, oh, my God, I wrote for four days. I, I just, I didn't stop. Great. That's the way to get a book done in a week. Um, another one is just this whole idea of self-confidence. Suddenly you feel, I'm writing. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making myself proud of myself. Um, so that's a good influence. Um, my thoughts are just flowing like I'm, they're just amazing. I mean, I can't stop myself. Lock me in a room. Um, and then someday you'll return to normal and you'll realize what this little arc was like. And it, you know, people call it creativity, whatever you want to call it. It was an arc. It lasted for a while. You hope it will last longer. And this is about the time when people start adjusting that arc with drugs of one kind or another. If the arc isn't good enough, aren't not, not sharp enough, too round, um, I'll take you know a quart of whiskey tomorrow and see how my um, summer writing festival story turns out. Uh, let's see, creativity is affected by a lot of things. One, weather. John Cheever, the American writer, um, went to Italy to live for a year. He had a grant to write. He got there. How many words did he write in a year? The couldn't do it, wrong place, wrong time, just couldn't do it. Whatever influenced him in the United States was not hitting him in Italy, even though there it was. I mean, what, he walked into a room every day and looked at it and thought, no, nothing's influencing me today, um, so I guess I'll go home. Uh, the season of the year, sunlight we know affects some people. Do you write in a dark room or a sunny room? Um, does it matter to you? I, I write in the cave. Um, my room is very dark, and I play classical music all the time. Uh, sometimes food is affected here. Drink, obviously. Depression, sense of well-being, fear. All these things affect um, in one way um, and influence what we, what we write. Um, creativity is often connected to dangerous behavior. Um, and that's because we're digging around in our heads very deeply. And most of us have been suppressing this stuff. When you really get in there sometimes, you're surprised um, by what you wrote. And that's when, time, when people sort of step back and wonder, gee, is this influence stuff hurting me or helping me? I mean, I'm really going uh, pretty deep here in my, in my life, and I don't know if I want people to know about this. Um, but it is true. I mean, when you get down there, uh, I think Herman Melville said... Um, um, something about um, darkness becoming his light. In other words, the more depressed he got, the sort of more he saw to write about, the more the world was defined for him. So he suffered like, like he suffered a lot, but he also wrote a lot. So he would connect those two. Darkness inspired him in a way um, in, to, to write. Uh, his life, of course, if you read about it, was... Um, a problem anyway. Um, 
there are wild forces in us, in our imagination, that most of us don't want to admit to. They're the you know the influences that we will not cop to, um, and that's you know that's unfortunate. We we live a life. Let's say you you're married, you have some kids, you have a decent job. Um, I think you're going to put some um, probably some of the things that might influence you away. Now I hear this in the summer writing festival a number of times. I'm not picking on anybody, but people say I've waited all these years to come to the summer writing festival and write. And my answer is why. My God, you only go around once. This is not a this is not a circle. Um, so my response is, you got to you know get busy, <laughs> um, and you see what's out. See how you're going to be influenced by things if you've not been letting yourself be influenced. Um, I once uh, worked with a woman in Chicago. Um, she wrote a wonderful, wonderful novel. Um, her husband was the president of a very large corporation in Chicago. And I kept telling her that I thought her novel was lacking sexuality. Um, it was about a woman trying to find her way in the world. Um, she fell in love with a chef. Uh, There's a lot of cooking in this novel. It was really neat, a lot of recipes. Uh, how to have sex on top of Rice Krispies, for instance. And I said, I think you should do more of that. And she said, well, I can't. My husband is the president of this corporation, and if I publish the novel, people will look at him and he'll get fired because I wrote a novel about a woman having sex on Rice Krispies. I said, well, there you go. There's a force out there that's keeping you from being successful, and it's your husband. Get rid of him. or the, what most people do is change their, get a pen name of some kind so that they can protect um, their family and their husbands and so on. But then you go around with somebody else's name, um, and then it's going to be revealed eventually. So if that's you, go home, uh, meet your spouse, and say, oh, I have something I want to say about influence. You're not going to like it. Uh, writing and depression is common. Um, a friend of mine has been a depressive for years. He's published 15 novels. Um, he, we've talked about it many, many times, um, and it does influence him. Um, he has periods when he can write a novel and periods when he cannot write one word. Um, the source of his depression, he has never been able to put a finger on. Um, he's been depressed since he was in high school. Um, and... I asked him one time, if you could take a pill that would take away the depression, would you take the pill? And he thought about that for a long time, about whether the depression was helping him as a writer, was it influencing him in a certain way. And his answer was, I wouldn't take the pill, because I don't think I could keep writing because of something in me um, that I'm a, it's a risk. If I took a, a pill, I'll come back to this, and there's another way of looking at this. Um, but I think, you know, I didn't want to argue him out of it, um, but I think, you know, he thought if he became too tranquil, too pacified, too easy with the world, maybe his urge to write would go away. His influences would be not necessary anymore. So, you know, I don't know. Can a happy person write great novels? 
I'm so happy I wrote a chapter today. I, I guess I'm happy. and I wrote a happy poem. Um, God, can you be too happy and write? Um, so, uh, you know, it is a push-pull. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and we're digging around inside of ourselves. Because once you write, you're digging up some stuff. You just get, like language. Every once in a while you say a word and you think, where did that come from? And you realize it came from 1973. And it's been in your head for a long time. And then, oh my God, don't. I just remembered that word. Now I remember who I was with when I heard that word. And then I remembered how I'd used it five times. <laughs> and you know, I, then I used it in front of somebody else. And they were surprised I said that word. And I knew I had power over them now because I could entertain. It's just one lousy word. So I urge you to write something based on one word and see how far it will go. Um, Why not? Um, A lot of the stuff I say might be true, might not be true. I mean, this is my point of view. Uh, In my own case, probably the thing that influenced me the most uh, was when I was 10 years old, I contracted rheumatic fever. it is a disease of the joints that eventually affected my heart, um, narrowed my world down to this tiny thing, and made me into a little animal. Uh, my third grade year, I thought I was going to die, so did other people. Um, the illness illuminated certain things for me at the age of 10. Um, and so for whatever reason, when I sit down to write, I know something in me is still influenced by that, by that period in my life. Um, maybe it's just, a, um, I spent it by myself. I no one really except my parents to communicate with. So for three months, I sat in our living room and listened to the radio. And I, you know, after I came away from that, I don't think I said to myself, I want to be a writer. Um, but I did think I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to tell people what it was like to almost die when you're uh, 10 years old and what it makes you into. Uh, when I was in junior high, people said, uh, one of my teachers said, God, you're so angry all the time. I said, I almost died a few years ago. Get off my case. <laughs> and Tyler, and so the romantic fever thing became, you know, okay. So Larry, uh, Larry Woodery, I don't know if you know, W-O-I-W-O-D-E, um, wrote Beyond the Bedroom Wall. And if you read the beginning of that novel, the character has rheumatic fever. And Tyler, the American novelist, I, know, I assume some of you, here's what she said. I know a person who says that in order to be a writer, you have to have had rheumatic fever. Uh, but I, <laughs> it's, it's true, it's amazing. How many have had romantic fever? It's, yeah, they got rid of it, I think, with me. Um, um, anyway, I'll go back here. But I believe that any kind of setting apart situation will do us well. In my case, it was emerging from an experimental Quaker commune in the wilderness and trying to fit into the outside world. I was 11. Then I found a book by Eudora Welty in the high school library, and it changed my life. So there is a sort of separate thing that some writers find valuable. Um, they're set away from society, and when they come back into it, they are forced to do something to fit better. Um, oh, yeah, well, what about the human condition? There's no shortage of sub- subjects, so you don't have to worry about that. 
Um, writers describe the writing process in many ways. You all have your own way of describing it. Some people have said it's like driving in the night down the interstate with your lights off. Um, yeah, that can be uh, a good start on a Monday morning. Driving in a snowstorm with your eyes closed, baking a cake without a recipe, getting married and divorced on the same day, um, all kinds of things. And, of course, doubt. Now, that's why a lot of people drink, I think, um, is that you doubt yourself. How are you going to know what you did is any good until it gets published, until somebody says, this is good, or your family says, this is wonderful, we're so happy you wrote it, but half of it's not true. Are you good liars? I hope so, because that's the answer. Um, okay, so in the, what influences us in other ways? Um, emotional events in our life. We carry around certain things with us that happened when we were five years old, ten years old. They influence us. When I'm going to write... Um, my memoir, you're going to tell what you will know what influenced me the most. You're going to hit those emotional moments and you're going to see the way I saw the world. The second thing is chemical imbalances. Think dopamine. Um, there are a lot of discussion uh, these days in this book. It's called The Midnight Disease. Um, the Drive to Write and Writer's Block. The Drive to Write is amazing in here. You can read the first half of the book and get all you need. But it's called the Midnight Disease. And it shows you what happens to brain chemistry while you're writing. And it, I would read it and forget it. Um, because it's, you'll scare the crap out of you. And you oh my God, do I have enough dopamine going on here? And if not, where do I get it? And how do I deal with it? Um, and she talks a lot about that, about how the chemicals in the brain actually affect um, how and when and why we write. Um, read the book. I'm not an expert. Uh, she's a psychiatrist, so she should know what she's talking about. Um, our basic, yeah, okay. Um, okay, finally, imagination. I think we should talk about that briefly, what it is. Um, it's in our blood, our food, our God. It's tricky, essential, bashful, ornery. It shines, it sulks. It's something we have to deal with that we cannot put our finger on. It's abstract. Um, and you can't, I don't think you can encourage people very easily, um, at least in, to get it. You can't buy it. People say, oh, talk about the imagination. I wish I had some. I am going to bet if you dig deep enough, you will find that you have some things connected to things you didn't know you had and you, you will find them bubbling up, and that's your imagination saying, okay, finally I get to speak. Um, writing, uh, beside sort of the other way of looking at influences is uh, lacking influences and the kind of excuses we make up. Um, why, don't, why aren't you writing? Well, one, it's too hot. <laughs> yeah, it works. I got up this morning and write a poem. God, it's hot. I think I'll wait until tomorrow. You're never going to write the poem. My therapist says I shouldn't write fiction. I've heard this from people. And I thought, really? You pay somebody 150 bucks to tell you you shouldn't write fiction? Get back at them. Write a goddamn good novel. Put a psychiatrist in it who is arrested as a perv someplace on a playground, and you will be a writer. 
This, this is what you will be. Um, my ankle hurts. I have to go to Spain for some reason. Uh, I will never get published anyway. Uh, I mean, all of that stuff is right there every time you sit down to write. It is. Uh, did I clean the stove? Yes. Uh, no, I didn't. I better go do that. And you say, the influences aren't strong enough. Um, there's a lot about writing and the whole art world, actually, that's like not having control. We like control, but to write is to not have control. Um, you, you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you turn on the computer, you don't know. I mean, you're, it's the wildest moment of your life when you get up in the day and turn the computer on and say, I'm going to write. It is crazy. I always start with the. It's a good way to get going. Um, <laughs> I think I'll write an essay called The Theory of The, and uh, it, it might work. What, what's your first word you put down? Think about it. Question mark? Um, exclamation point? Oh, God, oh... OMG, is that how they say it? They say? Uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, if you look at the romantic poets and many people in England for years, um, uh, Lord Byron said, we of the craft are all crazy. Um, some are affected by gaiety, others by melancholy, but all are more or less touched in the head. Um, so it was known then, I think it actually was part of their persona, was to be sort of wacko. And we've, we've enjoyed that for years. The only reason I read Edgar Allan Poe was because he took drugs. I think, why not? You know, my teacher loved this part. You know, he was a drug addict. And I think, great, I'm going to read him. You know, had <laughs> nothing to do with each other except I was reading what somebody had written that way. Um, is writing good therapy? Yeah, it's cheap, for one thing. A uh, piece of paper and a pencil is about as low as you can go these days. Um, I think it is, for some people, a kind of therapy. Why not? Um, I've lived a troubled life. Why don't I you know, write about it? Or I've lived a happy life. Why don't I write a book about being happy? Um, sure. Um, I think that's all. those things are all good. Um, on the other hand, uh, you're going to run into things right away. Um, if it's therapy, what do you need therapy for? And I looked at my own writing recently, and I would say um, the following things came up. I have a bunch of poet friends and so on. We sit around and talk quite often. And one was, why do we feel lonely? Why in this world do we feel lonely? I want to write to figure this out. I don't know ahead of time. I just want to write to figure it out. Why is this lonely thing going on? Now. If you've never felt lonely, great. Um, but if you have felt it and you want to understand what it means, writing is a good way to get at that. Um, why do I give and never receive? In the world we live in, do you see in a memoir, in a poem, uh, in an essay, in a novel, do you see this idea of give and take, of goodness and evil even? Um, uh, should I go or should I, st I stay? Um, I, I delicately think uh, that um, this is an issue for a lot of people that are unhappy in their life. They want to say, what do I change? Do I go in a different direction? Um, many years ago, I lived in Oregon, and um, 
my daughter's fourth grade teacher wanted to be a writer. And I said, hey, go to Iowa. Um, summer writing festival. It'll, you know, she's, oh, should I? I said, yeah, go ahead. You'll, you'll love it. So um, she went. She took a fiction writing class and came back. And I said, well, how are, th how are things? She said, good. She said, I'm getting divorced from that son of a bitch. <laughs> and I realized that it was therapy in a way. Um, she came here and, and she wrote a, a piece about this man, her husband, and the whole class said, what is shit? Why, why, why is your character married to him? <laughs> and so she came home and I, I've always felt responsible for this man wandering around the hills in Oregon saying, writing, some writing festival did me in. Um, so anyway, I make a list of questions that I want the answers to sometimes. Um, um, do the lost want to be found? There's a whole thing about people disappearing. I read someplace where a million missing, one million missing persons in the United States at the present time. I wonder how many want to be found. I'd like to know that. So I'll write a story or a play or whatever about someone who is missing and does not want to be found uh, and what their world is like. I, I finished the story about three weeks ago. I think I nailed it, um, I hope. Um, it wasn't a very good story until the guy disappears, and his wife is eight months pregnant. So I thought, he's a good guy to disappear. A lot of tension. She's going to hate his guts. The baby's going to look like him. It's a great story. Um, do you have to be possessed to write? I don't know. I, I, you know, I think Plath and Poe and Henry James, I mean, why all these people seem to have that as part of who they were. But then I know a lot of other people that are my favorite writers. They're just like, you know, everybody else. Um, they just close the door once in a while and write some good pages. Um, okay, so we got the mind about, oh, I forgot about the muse. Uh, I think somebody gave a Levensies, is that true? Or is there a class about the muse, the third muse or something? Well, anyway, there is one. I don't know what that person might have said about it, but it's an old idea of this muse, um, that we are visited by this personage somehow, and they take us over while we write um, whatever we're writing, or they speak to us in some way. Um, I don't know. Um, that could be true. Um, the poet Donald Justice wrote a great line in a poem about the muse. He said, I call her up sometimes, long distance. She still knows my voice. So, you know, he sees this as a thing who's kind of separate from him in a way that maybe does come and visit him once in a while. Um, but I don't think this is a popular idea anymore. Um, but I, I wouldn't dismiss it because, you know, who knows? Um, it might be a real thing for some people. I assume out there there's a place called muse.com uh, where you can go and find one, uh, muse.org. Um, and wouldn't it be great? Do it. I'm giving this idea to anybody in this room who wants it. Go out there and establish a website called muse.com charge them 50 bucks for advice, tell them that you'll speak to them over the phone for 10 minutes every Monday night, you got it made. You're going to get very wealthy because people do suffer. They still want this, this idea called the muse. Um, 
other things that strike me as um, strange influences, uh, I'm giving all these summer writing festival stories, but uh, a number of years ago, there was a woman from New York, wonderful, very intelligent woman, spoke three languages. And she said she really wanted to write and publish. I mean, that's all she talked about was publishing. I said, well, OK, let's see what you can do. So we spent a week. The class helped her. Um, at the end, she had a nice little story. Um, she sent it to the North American Review. It's called Peas, P-E-A-S. And it got published. So I sent her, you know, uh, congratulations. And she said, you know, I'm dying of ovarian cancer. And my bucket list included getting published. And I did it. Now, you talk about influences. That's an influence. She wanted to leave behind something that she valued, and she did. And it's an, it was an amazing moment. And why, she didn't tell me ahead of time. She waited way at the end. Um, her life was a very interesting, very interesting story otherwise. But I, I keep thinking about her and how plainly she told me that, that the thing she wanted to do was that. Um, on her bucket list was also to go to Turkey. I hope she made it. Um, all issues I talked about are matters of degree. I hope you're happy. I hope you're writing like crazy. Um, but if you're not, take a look at what's influencing you uh, in, the, in terms of the positive and the negative. Um, in most cases, you own what you expect. In other words, um, you have expectations for yourself, and you need to live up to them. If you don't, you feel defeat. So you have to find a way of saying, OK, I, I want to write a novel. Um, then that's your expectation. Don't back away from it. Don't have second thoughts. Find a way, not booze, not drugs, of convincing yourself that you can stay um, in the moment. I think some people are tempted, though. Um, and there are books out there of writers who were alcoholic and had to fight through this or whatever. Um, Tom Jones, T-H-O-M Jones, uh, American short story writer, died recently. He have, at the back of his first collection or second collection of stories, he thanks uh, drug manufacturers for his success. Um, he names the two uh, drugs he was taking, and he thanks them. Um, I think that was probably serious uh, in his case. He had brain injury from boxing, I think, um, which got in his way. So um, is it any good? You know, does it really help to um, think about influences? Um, every time I get into trouble, I do. You know, every time I need motivation, um, I, I end up saying to myself, you know, you should do something like this. Uh, this is Best American Short Stories. Uh, this is 2012. At the end of every Best American Short Stories, it doesn't matter if you're writing essays or because they have nonfiction collections now, um, the writers tell why they wrote what they wrote. And it's always revealing. I urge you to read those things. For instance, uh, Mary Gateskill says, I wrote The Other Place for a very simple reason. I was afraid. Well, okay. If I see a general tremor out there, I'm probably going to write about it. Uh, Jennifer Haith says, um, like all of my stories, it is some sense of a mashup of several things that interest me intensely. In this case, other people's marriages, sex and innocence, the theater, fathers, daughters, and Ukrainians. 
So, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's a good list of things that might influence you to write this story. Ukrainians? Okay. Uh, maybe I can find one that's going to help me out. Um, or Stephen Milhauser, uh, I was seized by the desire to write a mirror story, and that was as far as things went. One day it came to me, the mirror should be a gateway and not a fantastic, not one to a fantastic world. This, or instinct, propelled me to write the story. So he's got very wide things. Um, here's another a woman who wrote a story, and her... Um, her influence was bacteria. She says that she read an article bacteria, and I couldn't stop thinking about bacteria. It was relentless and omnipresent. So sometimes a little germ can help you get famous. Uh, sometimes the story comes from a lonely moment of unwilled spontaneous fantasy. Um, here's one uh, story that was written under duress. Um, on December, oh yeah, here's another one of those stories. This is a pretty neat one. Um, this writer meets Toni Morrison, who is her, um, her idol. And uh, Toni Morrison says to her, um, gee, I you know, hear you're a writer. And she says, oh, I am. And Toni Morrison says, well, I'm busy right now, but if you send me your book by the end of the year, I'll be glad to read it. And so... She took a year, and she sent it, and she got published. The whole reason she wrote the book is because Toni Morrison was going to read it. Now, that's a pretty good influence. So call up Toni Morrison <laughs> and say, I know you're busy, <clears throat> but would you maybe read my book sometime within um, the, the, uh, the next year? Um, I must say that, um, you know, Anybody who's made a serious attempt at writing knows the issues. And that includes an email. When email was invented, everybody sounded angry. Nobody knew how to write emails besides be at the store at 5 o'clock. Oh, Jesus, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> when the person goes, hey, be at the store at 5 o'clock. You know, you don't know. Email takes out all of that. And I realized when people said, gee, you're, you're really upset about something. I said, what? You know, read your email. I read it. I said, I... Looks good to me. And they said, no, it sounds angry. And I said, okay, I'll put a verb in there right here. And I put two details in there. And it won't sound, and sounds better. Hi, busy day, question mark, you know, go back and forth. Um, people don't write letters so much anymore. Um, I grew up in the art of the letter, having to write letters to people for various reasons. I think you should write more letters. I think you should write your memoir in, in uh, a series of letters back and forth between people, your novel, the epistolary novel. Why not? Your short story. Some of the best ones I've ever read are just letters. Dear Paul, the whole story. Your friend. That's an easy framework to work in. Um, so there's, you know, there are a lot of um, things that, okay, I, I will admit this. <clears throat> I edit my grocery list. That's the kind of writer I am. I get my grocery list ready to go to the store. I say, I don't need that. And I cross it off. Or if I've misspelled a word on my grocery list, I go, that's not an A, that's an E. So I guess I fear that when I get there and a car hits me in the parking lot 
and my list is in my hand, people say, he spells well. <laughs> uh, everything, it looks really good. It's a wonderful list. I wish I, wish I could have met him. Okay, anyway, <laughs> that's all I have to say at this moment. So I will need to take questions.